0: Kitty cats all hand gavs are they here just a uh, quick uh, thanks for joining this experience the Dottore Chronicles <laughs> you know I'm looking forward to actually explaining why I'm calling this thing the Dottore Chronicles uh, but not yet not yet not quite yet so a uh, quick recap here's what's up I'm uh, in my uh, late 40s I'm a school administrator I'm the director of a statewide cybersecurity initiative. I'm a college professor. I'm married to potentially the greatest living, actually probably the greatest woman of all time, um, Olinka, who is a lifelong educator, um, incredibly incisive in, in her ability to just peer into the minds of children. And in just a few moments recognize exactly what this kids need to uh, basically become thriving, wonderful people. And she's been doing it for a couple decades now. And she's got kids and she's got, uh, no, actually not kids, adults all over the planet that uh, reach out to her from all over the globe to say thank you, uh, Olga Alexandrovna. That's what they called her. They called her Olga Alexandrovna. Um, her students did. Thank you for doing what it is that you did. Thank you for taking that call from me in the middle of the night uh, from Germany, asking whether or not I should quit college or not and reminding me of who I am. And That's the kind of lady I married. And um, uh, she has uh, has uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is... Uh, um, a disease that basically disconnects a person's ability to activate or access muscles. <laughs> and uh, you might think, okay, so maybe she's weaker or something. No, that's not what we're talking. Eventually, it's gone. It's all, all gone, right? Because we've got muscles in places we don't think about. Like, for example, the tongue, right? That's a muscle. Um, and unfortunately, over the course of the last three weeks or so, two weeks probably, um she is starting to f- feel like her tongue isn't responding the way it has normally responded. she's starting to sense that her jaw, which is basically operated by muscles um is is stiffening it's harder for her to say words. Can you imagine can you imagine losing your voice and not just your voice your ability to make sound even so it's been a rough couple of weeks um but I don't want to turn this particular episode into a, um, woe is me, because I will be doing that plenty of times, I'm sure. Um, I thought maybe I'd share something pretty cool that happened to Olga and I. (laughs) All right, now this isn't going to sound like it's possible, but this actually happened. So let me give you the backstory as to how it all started. So first of all, um, if you don't know, well, you don't know me, so you probably don't know this about me, but before I got into education, I worked in the field of, um, entertainment, right? Um and you know, I produced shows, wrote stuff, I traveled the country, worked at different amusement parks, um uh, Illinois, Six Flags, Magic Mountain, for you California, yay, people. I studied art, you know, I I have a masters in fine art, for example. <laughs> um you know, I, I I'm very uh very different guy. And I have worked very hard to take any of those pictures off the internet. So um if you find one, please help a dude out, right? Just let me know. Send me the earl, and I will track it down. Nothing like insidious. That's been the word of the week for this boy. Uh, but, you know, stuff that uh, would make me wearing these yellow glasses look like, you know, child's play. Um, so anyway, I came up in, in arts. I came up in expression. It's actually bec- it's the thing that saved me. It's the thing that allowed me to, you know, flourish in America after the emigration in the late 70s from Iran to America. So anyway, we can talk about my childhood stories some other time. But I I I've been in the world of arts, you know, and I'm particularly interested in um, uh, musical productions, you know, plays. I'm I'm a playwright, kind of, at least I've written a couple of plays and um you know, I, I like that stuff. I like expression. Storytelling Is was my life. And then, you know, I got into education because, you know, I uh, just needed something to pay the bills, right? And while I'm, you know, becoming a world-famous filmmaker, um, and, uh, you know, I, I decided I don't want to be a world-famous filmmaker. <sighs> At least that's what I'm telling myself, and I decided education was actually a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, a lot more stable, and uh, that matters to an immigrant, right? Um, anyway. So I know I'm really interested in, in the arts, um, and back in January of 2019, I'm doing this in August right now, um, I saw that uh, an incredible thing was about to happen in San Diego. A production of Miss Saigon was coming through Broadway San Diego. Um, now, let me tell you about Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon is a, is a Broadway musical, um, incredible incredible piece of art um and uh, it's basically a modern telling of Puccini's Madame Butterfly which I don't know if you know Madame Butterfly but if you don't stop this video look up Madame Butterfly find Madame Butterfly, find a film rendition of it if you can and just watch Madame Butterfly look at look at the majesty of the human experience man so um the story is basically um uh, about uh, uh, an, uh, an American GI, an Amer- a Marine in Vietnam, right as the Vietnam War is wrapping up, um, who meets this you know, amazing young lady named Kim. She, oh, and also the American soldiers came. Oh no, it wasn't the American soldiers. Yes, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was the Viet Cong. The VC burned down their village, killing her parents, killing her brothers and sisters and everything. Um, so anyway, um, this marine named John um, goes and meets this cool girl named Kim, who is now coming into Saigon because there's no more village, right? And so she's trying to make a living, can't make a living. Um, and so she turns to um, hookery, <laughs> uh, prostitution. Uh, um, and uh, anyway, first night out on the... T- 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 and. Um, the dance room, I guess. There's this new, new uh, club called Dreamland that's opened up in Saigon, and basically they have a nightly election of who will be Miss Saigon, right? And uh, it's like a show they put on for the GIs who come in, and then the GIs pick the woman that they want to. I mean, it's it's a bro- remember we're talking about a Broadway musical here, right? Uh, and this is one of the reasons why this play is rarely seen like ever ever came out in 89 in, in, in the west end and then 1991 it hit broadway and that was a peak nerddom for me when it came to you know musical theater for this for this fool um, and so i fell in love with miss saigon and the music is just <sighs> that's what you're listening to right now by the way it's it's the soundtrack from um, um, that play. Some incredible music, like the movie In My Mind. Oh, it's incredible. Well, this girl goes into, suddenly goes into a trance to try to get away from the fact that she's being basically raped and hounded by all these men. Um, you know, of course, you know, she's not exactly innocent in all of that, but you know, she's going through this process because she can't make money. She, she needs to raise a child. and. Um, and so she goes into this movie in her mind and sees the dreams she left behind. And it is so fantastic. And what's what's genius about it isn't just how it fits into the story. It isn't just um, how beautiful the melody is. It's that it's all built around simple arpeggiation up and down, up and down, up like three chords. And it is haunting music and it like, kicks the show off, too. I mean, it's not the opening number, but it's like uh, it really sets the mood and goes, listen, there's more going on in this story than a bunch of prostitutes dancing and kicking their legs and GIs coming in and having fun dancing together. No, there's something else happening here, and that's what kicks off the drama within the play. Anyway, the other reason why this play is rarely seen is because it requires a helicopter. You know, so it ends, you know, the first act ends with that seminal event of the Vietnam War when we basically pull out of Saigon, you know, and say, sorry, we're out, good luck. Um, You know, and what was happening, there was some, I don't know if you know about this stuff or not, but I'm not trying to be rude by explaining it, it's just... Maybe you don't know. So there was some, you know, the helicopters that had to go land on the American embassy to get the American, you know, employees out of there. And so what was happening is, all of the Vietnamese who are seeing that the Americans are leaving and starting to freak out that what's going to happen, the VC is going to come in and take us, charge the American embassy to try to get on one of those helicopters. Anyway. And it's in that section, that's how the first act ends when a helicopter comes on and and John, who is trying to find Kim in the crowd, can't find her and basically ends up getting on the helicopter and the helicopter leaves, right? That's not a cheap, practical... Um, so I was really curious about how they're going to do it because it's a, it's a very expensive thing to do. Um, and they did it brilliantly. You know, They used lasers, incredible perspectives. They did a very good job. But that's an expensive thing to do. And then there's the weather thing because, again, if you know Madame Butterfly, you know what happens at the end, right? So rarely are you going to go to a Broadway musical where you know there is a suicide at the end of the show, right? So, so it's in San Diego, and I figure, hey, let's go check it out. It'll be a cool way for me to kind of introduce that part of my life because Olga doesn't know about that side of me. I mean, I've told her about it because it was a very different meal, believe me. <laughs> you know, and it's cool because I'm still in contact with some of my friends from those days and it's... it's uh... it's just weird. <laughs> it's weird. because um, it's like we have a like a secret almost, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll never tell. Okay, so what happens? Um, a couple months later we get the diagnosis of, um, you know, ALS, and, you know, um, what are you going to do, not go see the show? Um, you know, and and I was jacked up for a couple of reasons. I want, you know, my whole I mode of operation during those first weeks of the diagnosis was to distract her, to try to, you know, try to have some fun. It was foolish of me, but... I just, um, I just know my wife, and I know she would spiral, and I, I think I did the right thing, but generally speaking, uh, anyway, it anyway, doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, so, we go see the show, and she is just shaking throughout, man, and I just felt like crap, and, and she was there, but she was watching the show, but we're talking about, like, deep, dramatic melodramatic things, you know, and she just found out that a doctor told her, hey, you should get your affairs in order because sayonara, you know, not a, it wasn't well, <laughs> um, it wasn't well expressed. The diagnosis was more than cold, um, um, but I get it, I get it. So, um, we're at the play. It's the it's the intermission entre act, and I'm turning to her and I'm asking her how she is, and she's okay because I'm telling you y'all the music, she's incredible, and Olga understands. You know, it's it's not just a music lover. She gets it. She actually played piano herself. She learned to play piano. In fact, she bought me my piano um, from one of my birthdays as a kind of a. Encouragement for me to get back into it again, and she did a good thing, certainly. Um, so she understands not only the mood and how it fits into the into the narrative, but also some of the arrangements. She recognizes some of the the the, 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 the movements. Um, so she was loving it, and and I'm telling you, Miss Saigon's music. I mean, not all of it, but like the wedding ceremony. Oh. It is such a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, and it is probably the most romantic thing I've seen in a Broadway musical. I would say almost in anything. So, let me tell you more about Miss Saigon. I'll weave in and out of the story of us seeing it and what how what it led to, <laughs> which you're not gonna believe. Um, so that night that chris and and sorry John and Kim meet, um, John falls in love with Kim, and Kim falls in love with John It's one of those things where they they meet in the middle of this 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 hellfire called Vietnam War you know and and um, she has nothing but her child he has nothing at all, and incidentally he's conflicted about why he's even there right so in a way. It, there's a bit of a protest, you know, that's expressed about the Vietnam War. So he's like, what are we doing here? Why, why, why am I here? And he's having an existential crisis at the start of the show. And then he meets Kim in this brothel, basically. And he sees, that's why. That's why I'm in this hell, is because I was to meet her. And and she doesn't recognize that immediately. But she does recognize that... Um, something special going on here right and she's terrified as well and she doesn't know whether or not what she's feeling for this dude is her fear of not having something in the world or if it's a genuine a real connection i mean this stuff is you know it's puccini dude it's puccini (laughs) you know so anyway here's what goes down man so apparently in the vietnamese tradition when a man and woman marry There is a kneeling uh, experience. There is a bathing experience of hands and some exchanges that occur. But what happens is all of the village, all of the girls of the village um, come and surround the the, the two that are being wed. And they sing this chant. And I'm just chilled right now just thinking of it. You're listening to it right now behind me. Um, it's called the wedding ceremony, and what ends up happening is um, Kim is kneeling down, you know, asking, you know, her forefathers, "Hey, um, why are you doing this to me? What, what, what should I have done? What is, what is my role here? What's, why is this occurring? Uh, please help me find my why." Um, and um, John, who just had a night with this young lady, um, sees her kneeling there and walks up to her to comfort her and kneels down next to her, her, right? The girls in the village see this, right? So they all surround and um, start chanting. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, And haunting, that's the thing about Miss Saigon. That's the thing I think I love the most about it. Is because it captures the the tragedy more than anything else by these French melodic sounds. Silent Mobile who, who uh, uh, There is definitely a French tone to it, and of course, it makes perfect sense. Not only you know we're you know we're part, one of the creators French, but of course we're talking about the Vietnam War. We're talking about you know the the, the France and Vietnam. We're Um, deeply interconnected. And so there's that motif, but that motif is also in support of this, this deep sadness that should not have happened. I mean, if you think the Vietnam War was a good thing, um, you're wrong, period. 57,000 Americans murdered, killed. Most of them. How old? In Vietnam, he was 19. In in, in, in Vietnam, he was 19. Oh, by the way, Probably in the millions of Vietnamese died. Um, So, for what? I'm sorry, for what? To stop the communists from taking over Cuba? Um, What? Okay, so, um, it was a bad thing. Vietnam was a bad thing. So, um, not to mention, it was in... uh, Okay, anyway, don't want to get into politics about it. So... So when, when he, he sits there, they start singing, and so John just goes, my God, it's lovely, but what does it mean? And she says, it's what all the girls sing at weddings. He panics, he goes, um, um, ebidi uh, <laughs> Say what? Um, And she goes, they didn't know what else to sing. And then he says, it's the most beautiful thing I ever heard, right? So she acknowledges that, look, look, they just, We're not married, we're fine. It's not marriage, just relax. And he finds comfort in that and goes, ah, what a beautiful woman. What an amazing soul, right? And he falls even deeper in love with her, okay? But here's the thing. Um, (laughs) um, She thinks they are married, you know? It's it's a, a beautiful act of perversion, and desperation and and a, a search for solace by way of love, as opposed to rage. By love, by love. And yeah, he would have probably wanted to marry her. But, you know, he's a young kid, he's, he's a young Marine. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. So, um... You know, he thinks they're not married, but she secretly believes they are married. And when he, when, when, Vietnam, when you know, Nixon or Johnson pulls everybody out of Vietnam, um, you know, she gets left behind. Her husband just abandoned her. Now, you're not gonna believe the second act. But anyway, the point is, there is this incredibly intimate section that, you um, that brought both Olga and I to tears. And, and, and Olga didn't even know what was really happening in the scene, you know, because, you know, it's hard for anybody, even if you're a native English speaker, to really understand what the exchange is, right? To understand the drama of the play, um, you know, when they're being sung, when it's being sung, right? When the narrative is being pushed forth through melody, it's it's, easy, it's not easy for people to, you know, follow it. But she didn't need to follow it because the song, the spirit, the and it ends with to Miss Saigon, right? And they all toast to Kim, the married wife. Beautiful stuff, man. Beautiful. So it's intermission. I'm feeling like, you know, crap. I brought my wife to this thing. I thought it would be fantastic. I didn't know if she was going to get ALS. I didn't know this was going to happen to us, right? But. So, um, I'm walking around in the lobby trying to figure myself out. And and, um, I noticed that there's a new show coming into town, one Weird Al Yankovic, (laughs) the Strings Attached concert. Now, I've never seen Weird Al Yankovic, but I need you to know something about me. I love Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) Weird Al Yankovic um, and I are are very close. He doesn't know it, but we're very close. Um, um, you know, grew up emulating the man. You know, thought it was genius. And the thing about Weird Al that very few people even appreciate is that he's not just a parody artist. He's he's a brilliant musician, like like st- studio session level brilliant. He's incredible, and his range get out of town. Listen to Weird Al. Right, get away from the nasal. Right? Try to try to see if you can listen through that for a second. His music is—he's got this one song called um, "Hardware Store" that you can't even read the lyrics fast enough to keep up with it. Even if you have the lyrics, you won't be able to read them fast enough. It is genius. It is genius and a hilarious commentary on you know Middle America. So anyway. I say, I'm going to do it. i got to change this. I can't let this happen, right? Thinking that, ah, she's going to love it. What does she know from Weird Al Yankovic? She knows nothing from Weird Al. So, anyway, I buy tickets. Um, I call my brother and say, hey, you want to come check it out? He loves Weird Al, too. We grew up with the guy, you know? And, of course, Dr. Demento and the whole, you know, um, parody thing. It's just fascinating. I thought it was really an art form that wasn't recognized enough. And that's because... Very few people can do it, you know. Anyway. So, she doesn't know Weird Al, right? I'm trying to explain Weird Al to a woman in her, you know, 50s from Russia, right? It's culturally, you know, it's difficult. I mean, it's not that she can't understand parody artists. It's not that they don't have parody artists in in Russia. No, I mean, you know you have arrived as a musician when Weird Al covers your stuff, right? Otherwise, you're nothing. You're nothing. (laughs) So, all right, so, okay, couple, a month or so goes by, and then comes this month, uh, or maybe it was last month, I can't remember. Um, sorry. I'm not very uh, lucid right now. <laughs> it is currently, hey, look at that, it's 3.08 in the morning. <laughs> um, having trouble sleeping, may have heard in some of my other vlogs, but I just, I'm tired of sitting there and staring at walls, you know, or... Walking at night, you know, I just rather express myself. So we come to a Weird Al show, you know, and it was during a horrible day. We we got into a, a, um, an exchange, um, n- nothing loud, even just real, real kind of dramatic, you know, but not like at each other's throats. Actually, we don't ever go at each other's throats. You know, we pretty much agree on things. And normally, when there's something wrong, I'm wrong. And I say, okay, I'm sorry. We fix it and we move on. So we just have a really good relationship, which makes this shit, pardon me, makes this stuff that much more of an Absolute heartbreak, man. Absolute heartbreak. Can't even call it a heartbreak. It's it's a heart excision. Is that a word? (laughs) Because if it ain't, trademark all right so we're now, here we go now it's the day of the show right and um, we're in the car my brother and his girlfriend uh, Raquel came down and you know I love those guys man I'm so lucky my brother is such a cool cat he's just a nice dude he's hilarious he's deeply philosophical guy he lives you know with a you know very conscious life and I just adore that and his girlfriend Raquel is like this this fiery strong woman who's like dude no i'm not gonna stand for this and she just draws lines and 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 then explains why they're wrong that's the thing about her she's not like a fight the power lady she's not simple she's like let me tell you what's wrong with you (laughs) um well you know i really respect that i like her um so anyway it's called the Strings Attached Tour, right? So we're like wondering what the, and I, I on purpose didn't YouTube it, didn't look into it just as, cause you know, he's on tour, he's been doing this. Cause I wanted to see what is it gonna be like. Now my brother had previously seen Weird Al, and that upset me a little bit. Um, I think I was living, where was I? I think I was in Canada at the time. I mean, that's why it didn't work out. We didn't go see it together. And I don't think he was also Anyway, we are just in different places. So, but you know, I, I, you, again, if you don't know, you know, I was a concert guy, you know. Name a band, and I'll tell you, chances are I've been to one, maybe two of their shows. Not not obviously, I know, that's stupid, but what I'm saying is a lot, a lot. Um, uh, particularly a band named Fish, if you're familiar with the music of Fish, which is what we're listening to now. Um, 39 shows, my friends. This dude, yeah, not like a, you know, get in the van and drive around kind of way. and that's not, not, a, not into that world, man. But what I was into was who these people were and what they were doing and the phenomenon of fish, you know, anyway. Um, so I'm a, I am like music and live shows and concerts and I can get into that stuff. Um, I have gotten into that stuff. I just forgot about that stuff, you know got married, you know, and had to make some adjustments in who I was to be able to, you know, live in the you know, in the sunlight of this woman, you know. I wasn't gonna say, hey lady, I am who I am, you know. Hells no, this was like, this was an incredible opportunity. When I met Olga, I was like, oh, now I get it. When they say, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was a physical, literally, I can't, uh, it's so weird, because I can still feel the day I realized that, oh, right? So so I had just come out of this torrid relationship with this woman that I've been in love with and not in love with and friends with and not friends with and, you know, just just long time. She was an old college friend of mine and uh, long story, but the point is I was coming out of this this torrid, torrid affair, um, I'm sorry, not affair. I mean, incredible, incredible person. Just. Um, unfortunately, uh, but things didn't work out and, and, you know, I was kind of in the lost world, you know, I just kind of pushed myself into education because I was being told I was good at it, you know. I'm like, okay, well, shoot, you're going to pay me to do this? Okay, fine. Um, you know, and then it, that stuff all fell apart and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I wanted to marry this woman. She was like the, the you know, the apple of my eye. Is that what you say about women? No, I don't think that's appropriate for saying that about lady friends. So anyway, um, and I met Olga because I was a, a ELD guy. I was an ESL language acquisition guy for LA Unified. I worked for the the, the district for for a couple of years, basically training a lot of the ESL teachers um, across the district. And I worked with an incredible team: Isela like and Terry and Debbie and Judy and. Um, I mean, you name it, you name it, (laughs) these aren't exactly Um, cool cats, man. I'm glad we've been able to stay connected, at least via Facebook over the years. But I just ran into Isela actually at a conference, and she was awesome. Rafael Galleta, wonderful guy, is a principal of a high school in Los Angeles now, good guys. And so, um, Olga uh, was a new hire at LA Unified, remember, 30 years of teaching, this lady don't need to be trained, but all right. Uh, She's got to go through it and 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 if you're not in education, you probably don't understand this But um, every time the legislation passes some sort of a mandatory law about what we need to do when it comes to curriculum They almost always attach professional development, which is like I'm gonna cut my fingers off At least I've gotten to a point where I'm not making the curls (laughs) Okay, so anyway, um so she came to one of my presentations. So professional I was the guy. I was the delivering, you know five days, 40 hours of this, talking, showing, directing you to flip to this page. <laughs> and they have to sit there for 40 hours. and, and, and um, you know, our crew, the, way, the reason why we were good at what we were doing is because um, unlike most professional development people, um, we were putting it on the show, you know, we were there. We had to excite these people, you know, because the district administrators, you know, the, excuse me, the cabinet wasn't exactly worried about, you know, the fact that people want to pelt Coke cans at us because they're being forced to come and sit in some hotel for 40 hours. <laughs> just so they can teach this program. And 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 it was a good program. I mean, a lot of people had issues with it, but everybody has issues with everything. So anyway, my wife, my then this lady, came to one of was assigned to me so she I had a captive audience for 40 hours now mind you it's like a room of 50 teachers you know so um, and I was a young man again remember I'm coming out of that that relationship that um, maybe I'll talk about someday but um, so you know uh, me and my my partner who shall remain nameless um, you know we're dudes right we're dudes in our mid 30s right and you um, you know, we're constantly taking a look at you know what the you know our you know, professional colleagues are, how sharp they look, and how well dressed they are. So uh, I noticed this one lady sitting in the back, right, blonde, blue eyes, mysterious, kind of like hmm, smoky almost, almost, almost like you um, shouldn't walk too close to her. <laughs> because like she'll like, <laughs> she'll suck you in. But it was just, how she, she was just dressed beautifully. Um, interesting sense of fashion, but you know, whatever. Right. So, <laughs> um, I think it was the last day, you know, because like by the second day, they've bought in. They go, okay, this dude is okay. He's not gonna, he's not a shill. He's not just, you know, anyway. I was putting on a show, man. That's what I do. Not because I'm good at it, it's just me. It's my nature. And unfortunately, sometimes I come across as insincere to people because people think I'm always putting on a show. And yeah. See them masks? (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason I have a whole bunch of masks and that's just a couple of them. Um, So anyway, Um, last day or so, um, it just wrapped up. We did a song (laughs) just to keep people up, man. And uh, people are breaking up. Dude, you were great. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, no problem. Hey, let's talk. You know, that kind of scene. And then everybody's clearing out. And as the people are walking away, I swear to God, it's like this. It's like a scene out of uh, um, uh, what's that movie? What's that movie? Um, uh, Oh, come on. Do Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino stars with George Clooney? Anyway. Girl papa pa 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 beautiful song with, with a young Selma Hayek and a pff, albino boa constrictor around her. I swear to god it was her except it was Olga. right and she's coming at me. And I look to the right and I go <laughs> Uh, like a deer in headlights, I have no clue as to what's about to happen. I just know I need to surrender. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she walks up and goes, "You look like an American who knows what he's talking about." <sighs> yes, ma'am, I do. I do indeed. <laughs> Never mind that I am not at all the person who knows what he's talking about. But yes, I am. A, I'm a genius, pretty much. So what can I do for you? Or more to the point, to you? <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I said that, but that's the kind of stuff I would say. Um, like you know, because I'm dumb. So we start talking curriculum, and I'm like, I'm like, oh damn, she 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 was actually listening. She picked up this stuff, and and. Uh, you know, I was intrigued. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually an intelligent, excuse me, um, an informed conversation. Most of the time, most of my conversation, even today, are just pat. It's just, oh, yeah, bro, nice to see you, man. Yeah, I get it. You know what it is. It's just this... <laughs> uh, it's um, happy talk. Um, so... I go, yeah, hey, do you want to maybe go have dinner or something? And we can talk about it. <laughs> and she goes, sure. <laughs> right? So, I'm thinking it's on, right? And I'm like worried about who's going to see this. I don't want any of the crew to see me walking out of the of the hotel <laughs> with this, you know, lady and and of course they all are. It's like I think Karen was like a, I think it was Karen. I think it was, I don't know, I think it was Karen. I think she was like watching me just to see what else. What's this guy gonna do right now? And Karen and I are great friends. Actually, I'd love to find her again. I can't find her. Um, but, <laughs> so, um, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that between the time we left and where we ended, somehow things turned up into Starbucks, right? So we didn't go to dinner, we went to Starbucks instead. And I think um, one day we'll discuss that, <laughs> but um, so we just hung out and we talked, and I was really intrigued by this lady, and and unfortunately, being young, um, younger, I should say, I mean, you know, I take responsibility for my actions then, but um, suddenly that feeling of it's own. Was replaced by something else, and now I know what it was. It was something genuine. It was actually real. It was actually two people who were intermingling, right, with ideas and stories and concepts and, and a verbal exchange. And and you know, I I have a, this. I got it from my dad. I think it's just I, I'm I'm very comfortable with with language and 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 uh, so and I work with people, you know, with accents all my life, all my professional life, really. You know, I've been an accent, dude, I'm an actor, you know, I did a lot of accents. At least that's what my resume said. So, um, you know, I can hear what she's saying and she is using English like, (laughs) like, perfectly, like, right? It wasn't like, um, there were some statements that she was making that I was like, Really turned on by at the time. I remember that, but it was more of an intriguing thing. Like she would say, okay, but but listen attentively. <laughs> Wait till a hot blonde Russian lady sits across from you and says, Okay, okay, but listen attentively, right? Not in a condescending way, but more like a more like a listen to me now. I'm telling you something that's going to alter what you think. <laughs> And I don't know if it freaked me out or not. It didn't freak me out. I felt felt the real connection. There there was without question chemistry there, but... um, The fun went away and it was replaced by something deeper. And I was a little hurt by this other lady, right? And I was in a world where I was just dating people. And I wasn't, I didn't recognize what I had in front of me at that time, right? And uh, the evening ended and on my drive home, I I drove her back to her car and then she drove home to Hollywood. And on my way home to my little apartment in North Hollywood, um, I got a little call from this, um, at that time, ex of mine. I think she was an ex. See, we started as really good friends and then she got married and moved to New York and that dissolved horribly. And then, like I told her it would, but, Um, What are you going to do, right, so, you know, and I think, anyway, so, yeah, again, that's a whole different story, but, you know, we reconnected again, and Olga didn't, you know, wasn't in my headspace anymore, right, and she didn't call me, right, now, again, I didn't call her, but, uh, and, of course, in the the old world tradition, tradition is not the right word, but in the Eastern civilization, um, you know, it's considered forward for women to reach out to men. It's not an equality thing, it's not a power play thing. It's kind of like a, no, I'm a woman and I need to know that you want me, you know? And it's one of those things. And if I come at you, then I don't know if it's because you want me or not, you know? So, so there's a, some dudes appreciate that, you know? And, And it's not as if that's how it's always gotta be, but you know, that was something substantial. That was something, of um, something that I didn't think I would ever find again, you know, I thought about many years later. Um, so anyway, um, so got back into it with this lady and, and it got even worse as, as, as things tend to sometimes when it's a passionate, um, um, you know, affair, if you will. Nobody's cheating on anybody. I just mean it was a passionate affair, and and it started out as two incredibly good close friends. Close friends, man. And I, you know, I was teased her. She's a gorgeous lady too. I huh? believe me. She was beautiful, beautiful. Uh, God bless. God bless, man. Let me bring it back again. Um, this time I'm done. It's finito. It's a year later, and frankly, I'm just not. You know, I get it. You know, it broke my heart, it wasn't gonna happen. And I just had to leave and not even look back. And I decided to say, okay, well, you know, let's see what all goes up to, you know. And not, I don't know, I wanna say it wasn't kind of a I didn't it wasn't a booty call, if you will. You know, It was more like, a, hey, I wonder what happened to that lady, kind of a thing, I don't know, I don't know. Well, it turns out that I had just called her, like, um, while she was walking along the Hollywood Hills, uh, in tears, wondering where I might be, I swear, dude, I swear to God, what happened to that guy? I wish you would call me. We seem to be connecting, and you know she's sobbing and, and going through this experience. And I leave him. Uh, uh, and she walks into her apartment, and I'm leaving a voice message on her, on her answering service. <laughs> come on, come on, right? It's like that causes history, causes Things are happening for reasons, right? It's not known to us the reasons, but if you see something happening, there's usually a good reason for it to be happening. Anyway, so, you know, she didn't know me before that point. That's, she knew me as an educator at fourth, you know, in her mindset, I'm that's what I was. She didn't know I was a playwright, I was a you know, a show presenter. I was a studio guide at Universal Studios. And, you know, I was an actor, and, you know. She doesn't know that world. And she doesn't know a whole bunch of other things about my life too, which again, not comfortable talking yet, but maybe Sunday. Um, so, you know, she's there with me. We're having this fantastic exchange and we come to the Weird Al show and I'm setting her up and saying, believe me, honey, this is gonna be A tremendous thing. And I'm trying to give her the backstory of how influential Weird Al was. Not just for me, but for millions and millions of people. And uh, we're having a wonderful time. And the reason the concert is called the Strings Attached Concert um, is because um, he has a full-on orchestra (laughs) to start the whole thing up. And they play like a whole set. You know, they play, but, and what do they play? Brahms, no, Mozart, no, the theme from Superman, the theme from Star Wars, the theme from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the cool stuff, right? The cool stuff that you wanna hear a big orchestra play. Awesome, awesome, it was a John Williams fiesta. Then they take a break and Weird Al comes out and he does a set and he's amazing and my brother and I are losing it. My wife is, my wife loved the orchestra, but then this clown comes out and is like, are you serious? this is the dude you're worshiping? I'm like, ya vol, mon capitan. So, so what happens next, right? Just getting into it. I'm trying to have a good time myself because I'm going through stuff too, right? So um, Weird Al gets gets to his uh, rendition of Happy by Pharrell. And um, ladies and gentlemen, Weird Al comes. I can't, I can't, I can't, just watch. (laughs) you <laughs> Yankovic gave my wife a lap dance right next to me and I was great with it Um, because the two probably the most incredible things ever are right in front of me and now did you notice how Olga was like um get your penis out of my face please. I love this lady because she's like, this is inappropriate. I'm in a concert. And she's not like a prude or anything, but, you know, the you saw her. We're down, she starts, you know, doing the pelvic thrust. Um, oh, no, it's just a thing of beauty. So, yes, ALS is sucking the life out of us. It's destroying us. And I'm being Mr. Peppy Le Pew here, blah blah as much power as I can, as much energy as I can, because I need to survive this too, and, and I need to be strong for her, and I need to be strong for everybody, man. This isn't right. It's not just being strong for. I just need to be solid. You know, I think I am strong. I think my worry is that I'm not. I'm wondering if I'm okay with being weak, because I think that's that's the that's the harder thing, being weak. I'm fine with strength. Anyway, um, the point is that even when these kinds of tragedies hit us, um, for some reason, for some reason, Weird Al Yankovic chose to come off the stage, come along the side of the, the auditorium, and she picked Olga. She picked Olga. Why Olga? Why not the person behind me? You know, why not somebody who actually likes Weird Al? You know, who would have maybe gotten into it with him? oh, sorry, sorry, you know? Why a mid-50s immigrant? Is it because I had my camera up? Is it because he saw my camera? Um, Is it because he could sense that something was happening in that row, in that part of the theater. That's what I want to believe. Yeah, all right, I'm delusional. Sure. But history was made in my life. That was a memorable, That's probably a story I will tell forever. Because not only its significance to me, but... I don't know. What do you think? Did he sense something was happening and he wanted to come maybe healed? Or was it just, hey, look, a hot blonde, let me...